Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome to another episode of On The Verge Weekend Mailbag Edition. Nick Stevens here to take the reins for this weekend's show as we take questions from our Patreon group and Twitter. Questions about whatever you like, the major league product, the minor league product, the upcoming draft, whatever it may be, we're here to answer the questions. Got six or seven on the agenda for today. Try to keep this one short and sweet as it is the 4th of July weekend. Hopefully everyone is enjoying this weekend, enjoying the extended weekend if you have that opportunity. Uh, But hopefully you're being safe as well. Make smart decisions, people. Uh, It's definitely not worth it. But have fun and live it up. So we're going to go through these uh, six questions here. We're going to start with a question from Cannon in the Patreon group. Cannon says, over or under eight and a half starts for Grayson Rodriguez the rest of the year. I'm going to remain optimistic here and take the over. Like, I mean, who takes the unders anyway? Come on. We take, always take the overs. But honestly, I'm going to take over eight and a half starts here for Grayson Rodriguez. You look at what he's done since going back down to Norfolk. Just one hit, no runs across six innings in his first outing. But you did see the five walks. So that was a cause for concern there. But his next start, three runs on seven hits across six innings but he had the 10 strikeouts. All right, so again, more good, more bad. Then he follows it up with 11 strikeouts to just two walks and two hits across six innings. A little hiccup in Nashville where he goes four and a third, allows one run on four hits, three walks to four strikeouts. But then in his last outing, six innings, one run on four hits, one walk, eight strikeouts. The whiffs, he's been getting the swing and miss consistently in these outings. The numbers look better and better. I'm fairly certain that two of the three home runs he's allowed since returning back to Norfolk would have been fly ball outs in Camden Yards. I just think he's finding his groove again. His first start back in Norfolk was rough. That wasn't Grayson. He's looking more and more like his old dominant self once again. I think his last outing was fantastic, and if he can continue to build off that, he will be back in the major leagues pretty soon. I just hope that more casual fans kind of understand the talent that he is and give him some leeway as he tries to settle in again when he does get promoted back to the major leagues. These guys hear what people say. They read the articles. They see the tweets. Every single pitch is scrutinized and picked apart by beat writers and fans. But if there's one player in this organization who I have confidence in learning how to block all of that out and learn from his first experience, 
I think it's Grayson. I think he got punched in the mouth a little bit his first time in the major leagues, but I think all that did was awake the beast, and he's going to be coming back with a vengeance in the very near future. Two, maybe three more starts down in Norfolk. If they're as good as his last one was, I think that's all he'll need, and he'll be a backup. Uh, Tony, another question from the Patreon group, asked, why is Adley struggling with his throws to second? Some are suggesting he's playing through an injury, or is it something else? I mean, any injury talk is pure speculation because we have no idea. Uh, Unless I've missed something, no one has said anything about an injury. He continues to play every day behind the plate. I don't think that's an issue. You could highlight the slumping, the the current slump that he's going through. But, I mean, Books had him at 16.5 home runs before the season started. He's at 10 right now. I think he's on pace there by what a lot of the odds makers thought he could do, at least in the power department. He's an all-star this year, and I think he's still well on pace for, you know, a four-plus war season behind the plate. And to go along with everything that he does, you know, off the field, uh, the relationships that he has with pitchers, so forth. Of course, there's going to be rumblings when guys go in these slumps here, but I see no concern whatsoever with Adley Rushman at the plate. As for the throws to second base, if you paid attention to Adley coming up through the minors, this was always something that wasn't exactly his strongest attribute. For a long time, he was able to utilize the quick pop, the quick pop time that he does have. It's it's elite, and outsmarting the younger runners to anticipate when they're going going to run. But now he's in the majors with elite base runners. New rules designed to increase steals in games. Combine that with the struggles in being able to throw out base runners that he already has had. It's all coming to form this kind of frustrating experience at times for fans, and I'm sure himself. I'm sure the pitching staff doesn't help as well, but you know it's definitely something that he can improve on. But this isn't anything new uh, with Adley Rutschman. You can dig up some of the public scouting reports as well and see a lot of the notes where a lot of people agreed uh, this is definitely something skipping throws to second base, not being able to hit the target out there. It's been a consistent struggle for him since he joined the organization. It is something that he can continue to work on. He's got the elite pop time. He's got the arm strength. So the accuracy... I feel like having those other two things in place and as good as they are, I feel like the accuracy can be something that he has to work, that he can work on. The next question is going to come from Nate in the Patreon group as well. Nate says, with the trade deadline looming and Givens and Tate rehabbing, would you expect the Orioles call up some AAA relief pitchers in the near future for an audition? Wouldn't July be their best chance to see if they can stick the way Cano did in April? So I could be wrong here because... Again, we don't have inside information on injuries, so I can't talk about exactly what's going on with Gibbons and Tate and what their timeline looks like. But it's been multiple times now where we see them return to the mound, go on a rehab assignment, pitch okay, move up, get shelled, repeat the process. Go back to Baltimore to be reevaluated throughout that process as well. But it's rinse and repeat with these guys for the last, what, month and a half, two months or so. Personally, I've kind of written off Dylan Tate this year. If he comes back and contributes, that's great. I hope he does. As soon as this team found Tate's true role out of the bullpen, he thrived, and I want to see him back thriving, but I'm just not optimistic that his health allows that this year. I think the chances are higher that we see Givens, but it also seems like his body might just be failing him and starting to break down a little bit. So I thought he was a great insurance signing at the time, but turns out when you sign, you know, cheap insurance you get crappy coverage I guess but as far as bringing up AAA relievers to see if someone can stick because it doesn't seem like we're going to get much if any production from Givens or Tate this year I think this becomes a much more important point here 
I think the issue just becomes getting these additional guys on the 40-man roster, and who do you take off? I think if the organization really likes Logan Gillespie, he's going to stay on that 40-man because he would get claimed, and you don't want to risk losing him. I do think Keegan Aiken's 40-man spot should go to someone else. Uh, today, he got placed on the I.L. with back discomfort. I guess that happens when you're constantly whipping around watching 110-mile-an-hour balls go over your head, but hopefully um, that 40-man spot can go to someone else in the very near future. Bruce Zimmerman gives you length, and he just keeps flashing like just enough, I think, to stick around. And that length, especially if you're going to move on from Keegan Aiken, that lefty length I think could be important. Ciano Perez obviously is on the hot seats, but the organization is clearly very high on him, so I don't think they pull the plug on him quite yet. The only other 40-man spot, when looking at you know, the pitchers at least, that I think could be in danger could be Drew Rahm. We may see them try to sneak Rahm through waivers at some point like they did with Noah DeNoyer, especially now that Rahm, I mean, the last couple of starts have not gone very well for Rahm. He's coming off an outing where he just walked a season high. So maybe uh, that's a move the Orioles make in the near future as well. I just kind of had to talk myself through that point there. There's room on the 40-man roster as I'm talking through that and thinking about that. There's certainly room to add guys to the 40-man roster. Now, who could that be? I think Edward Bizzardo has pitched very well in Norfolk. He has MLB experience. He's always had good walk and strikeout numbers. If it's a lefty you're looking for, I think Darwinson Hernandez could be that guy as well. But walks have remained an issue with him, even this year in Norfolk. Currently suspended for getting into a little... uh, little tussle there with uh, Patrick Dorian the other day, which you know, Dorian you know, Dorian was the, the cause of that one for sure if you watch the video. But honestly, if we could just limit the walks a little bit with Hernandez, he could probably be the best option and could more easily replace Ciano Perez. I'm pretty high on Easton Lucas, and I think he could force a very interesting conversation early on this offseason. But I think at some point, we probably see Wanderson Charles as well. He's in AAA now, continuing to pitch very well. He's got the electric fastball. They probably want to see a few more weeks of good run from Charles. And I think Lucas is probably further behind, but Bizarro and Hernandez are two guys that I think right now deserve shots in the big leagues. But also remember that this team does love the waiver wire, so you always have to keep an eye out for that, especially with relievers. But to the question, yeah, I agree. Now seems like a good time to see if these guys can stick versus trying to see if they can stick during a playoff race, uh, when the playoff race intensifies at least. So I would not be shocked if this organization is keeping very, very close tabs on Bizarro in particular for talking about guys already in the organization. And maybe the, all this situation with Keegan Aiken and, you know, does Ciano Perez, if he continues to kind of maybe bottom out a little bit, maybe they decide to make a move over the next week or so. Um, move on to a question from Ben. Ben has a, again, patron. Is there a chance Adam Frazier is let go in the next month or two, or is he someone who gets a postseason spot because he's a vet? So I don't see him going anywhere in the immediate future. He hasn't earned a postseason roster spot if the Orioles do make the postseason. I love the optimism, but it's still just June 30th as I'm recording this. So the playoffs are not guaranteed here, but I go back to my Joey Ortiz point that I made on the main show back on Tuesday that it's just not Joey's time. He's not ready. Like, Please, I don't want to hear about the batting average in AAA. It's not his time right now. But let Ortiz play for two straight months in Norfolk, and then let's talk about moving on from Adam Frazier. But even then, like I know most fans don't care and don't want to hear it, but if he's a clubhouse leader and can be a veteran presence on the roster to keep the young guys grounded during the playoff run, I think he's going to stick around. And when they signed Frazier, I didn't get it. I didn't like it. But 
honestly, I'm sure I'm in the minority with this. I'm still okay with him sticking around on this roster. I don't mind having Frazier continue to play the role that that he's been playing this season. He wasn't signed to be a game changer. He's doing largely what he was signed to do, except probably the defense. I will I will agree with a lot of people there. Take the public defensive metrics for what you will, but I do agree that you know the defensive abilities was kind of a positive draw when he was brought in. And a lot of these metrics show that he's one of the worst in the league at the position. So should the Orioles make the playoffs, his roster spot isn't guaranteed just because he's a veteran, but he's also not going anywhere in the next month or so. Hopefully, Joey Ortiz pushes that situation and Adam Frazier's glove, Adam Frazier's bat, all that becomes, we don't need it. Orioles have no purpose for Adam Frazier at that point, but until then, or until some other moves and other dominoes start to fall, I don't see Adam Frazier going anywhere in the next month or so. Another question from a different Ben, Ben E, in the Patreon group. Ben asks, who gets to the majors first, Colton Kowser or Heston Kerstad? I think this is actually a pretty tough question and fun one to debate at this point. Um, it sounded like Kowser was going to get the call when Cedric Mullins was hurt. But Kowser got hurt as well. As we all know, that set him back a little bit. Kowser's now played 54 games in AAA this season. He's hitting 330, a 457 on base percentage. He has a 155 WRC plus, an 18.4% walk rate. And his 24% strikeout rate is the lowest of his career since he was down in Delmarva. OPS is over 1,000, 54 games into the year. And maybe it's just me paying attention a little more, but I have enjoyed watching his play in center field this year. It's not easy to command that position at Harbor Park, but Kowser's played that, it's very windy, cavernous center field pretty well. Uh, I think it's very clear that he is major league ready. But this team is fiercely loyal to Ryan McKenna. Aaron Hicks has not turned back into a pumpkin quite yet, so I think the Orioles likely keep trying to push Kowser's timeline back as far as they can. I don't agree with it. I think he should be in the major leagues. But I'm just trying to be realistic here. On the other hand, Heston Kerstad has been fantastic since his promotion to AAA. 19 games in, he's hitting 300, 140 WRC+, 973 OPS, 6 doubles, 4 home runs, triple as well. Incredible power hitting lefty who struck out just 15% of the time in AA. That is the number that I am most fascinated with of all of Kerstad's numbers this year between the two levels. We knew coming out of the draft about the power, but the 15% strikeout rate in AA, I don't think many people saw that happening, especially if you look at some of the numbers last year, especially when he got moved up to Aberdeen. You look at what he did in the Arizona Fall League. The strikeouts were enormous, as were the home runs as well, but enormous strikeout rate there. To get to AA and strike out an only 15% clip, Kowser can play center field and arguably has the best batter's eye in the organization. I think uh, he's got a 430 career on base percentage in the minor leagues, which is just absurd. He's MLB ready now, like I said. Kerstad has the game-changing power and a path to the major leagues that I think Kowser doesn't. I know Kowser doesn't, and it's first base. And I'm not saying Ryan Mountcastle goes anywhere right now. I've seen comments about from some people saying, hey, should the Orioles trade Mountcastle? But what are you realistically going to get from Ryan Mountcastle right now if you trade him? A two 17-year-olds from some team's Dominican Summer League roster, a 26-year-old reliever in AA. Like, I, I don't see any team offering anything of real value for Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, honestly, hitters like Ryan Mountcastle are a dime a dozen. If you really just want a power-hitting first baseman, 
who doesn't get on base much and you know has some strikeout concerns and you, you can find these guys pretty much anywhere you're not going to trade any top prospects you're not going to trade any proven MLB starting pitching for Ryan Mountcastle so I'm not saying Mountcastle goes anywhere this year next next year could be a different uh, could be a different discussion there but I just think with Heston Kerstad, he's played a lot of first base in double-A this year. He continues to play a decent amount of first base in Norfolk. So I just think that depending on how this roster shapes up over the next month or so, with the trade deadline and, and all of that, I could see a situation where, yeah, uh, there is a path of a little bit more playing time at first base DH, and Kerstad can come up and fill that role. I think Kerstad also plays a better outfield defense than maybe some people give him credit for. Is he the smoothest? Is he the quickest? Is he the best out there? No, but he's pretty good. I'd say he's definitely solidly, uh, slightly above average defensive outfielder. But I still think as far as who makes the majors first, I'm going to go with Colton Kowser. I think there's a valid argument for Kerstad, and Kerstad could definitely force uh, that situation. And how the roster shapes up over the next month could force that situation as well. But I think Colton Kowser is beyond ready to reach the major leagues. But just two unbelievable prospects in this system. Uh, last question here from Twitter that we got is uh, from Felix P.A.'s Burner on Twitter, giving us good questions on a weekly basis here. He asked, given the way the team hyped up Westberg's promotion and debut and did not for Ortiz, do you think Ortiz has become the most likely of all infielders to go in a trade, whether it's at the deadline or this winter? So I, I will first say to anyone who has not listened to Tuesday night's show, as I referenced earlier, please check that out. I explained my take on Joey Ortiz there and how the Orioles have managed him and what the Westbrook call-up means for Ortiz. 56 games in short season ball after being drafted in 2019. He just finished a full year of college. The Elias regime was still new, and the player development machine that's been installed now is not what was being used to develop players in 2019. 2020, he doesn't get to play because of the pandemic. 2021, 35 games, that's it, between high A and double A before he tears his labrum, season's over. 2022 gets off to a very slow start in Bowie, but he's coming off that major injury, so that's to be expected. He found his groove, he mashed his way through Bowie, gets promoted to Norfolk where he played in just 26 games last year. So total, he had just 228 games in the minor leagues since 2019, with almost two full years of no playing time in that span. So now you reach this opportunity where it was a 40-man roster spot or lose him to the Rule 5 draft, he goes on the 40-man the Orioles needed his bat for a few days. He gets the call, can be shuffled up and down while the organization waits to feel 100% confident in Westbrook's chances to stick in the majors. Now that Westbrook is up, Ortiz can stay down for a good long stretch here, get much needed at bats in AAA. Maybe he comes up for good later this year. Maybe it's a competition next spring where he will have the chance to be a full-time starter. I don't know, but I just think at this moment, it just wasn't his time and he needs the at bats. Does that mean he's more likely to be traded? I'm going to say no. Could he be traded? Absolutely. How the Orioles handled him the last few weeks, though, is not indicative of his play or who he is as a prospect. He's one of the top prospects in all of baseball with potential gold glove winning defense. So his trade value could be higher than Westberg's. And if the Orioles are in a position to land their target, but it's going to take Ortiz, I think they pull the trigger there. But I think Westberg is also very much still a trade candidate as well. He's not going anywhere right now as far as is he going to be sent back down to AAA? Is he going to ride the bench? I don't think so. I say that as he's a day off yesterday and he's not starting on a Friday night here as the Orioles begin a series with the Twins. 
But I think if you look at larger sample size here, you're going to see Westbrook in that lineup more often than not. You're going to see him play multiple infield positions. And you're definitely not going to see him get sent back down to AAA unless it's just a disaster. But based on the way he's played his first couple of games, Jordan Westbrook is pretty hot right now. So I don't see him cratering out like that. There's also a scenario where I think both guys could stay. Like Mateo moves into more of a reserve role. Ortiz, Westberg, and Henderson take the infield. Or Westberg bounces around between second, short, third, outfield, wherever the daily lineup shuffle kind of takes him. They don't have to trade either of them. But as the question asks, does all of this make it more likely Ortiz gets traded? I'm going to say no. Like, I know there's an article written over at the Baltimore Banner. I believe it was released on Friday morning saying that Ortiz is now the most likely infielder to be traded. But I don't think the article really explained why, uh, in my opinion. Regardless, just based on the headline, uh, I completely disagree with that headline and don't believe that it means Joey Ortiz is the most likely to be traded. He could have the highest value. Sure, that's that could be an accurate statement as well, depending on the team. So if the Orioles are super active and he's a more attractive piece and can get a bigger return and you're happy with the way Jordan Westbrook's playing, you've got Gunnar Henderson, you know Jackson Holiday is sitting there waiting in the wings, you're still pretty phenomenally deep up the middle if you trade Joey Ortiz. But I don't think this means that it necessarily means that he is more likely because the Orioles think less of him or that his path is blocked because I do not think his path is blocked because Jorge Mateo is not going to be an everyday starter for this team for the next year, year and a half, two years. Ramon Arias, I think there are questions. He's a solid bat. He's a solid glove. He can move around. But does he stick on this roster? I don't know. But Ortiz's path is definitely not blocked, and there is a an avenue where both of these guys, Westberg and Ortiz, are on the major league roster and they're getting significant playing time with Gunnar Henderson, with Jorge Mateo, and others still in this roster. Take a lot of maneuvering, but we know that the Orioles love to maneuver this lineup. I think I've rambled about Joey Ortiz enough. You guys got my thoughts there. Uh, I'm sticking with it. Again, could be wrong, but I am sticking with my guns there on my Joey Ortiz take. Thank you for everyone who submitted questions. We'll be back next weekend. I think next weekend we're going to be heavy draft coverage. Uh, So we'll see if we do the mailbag or not next weekend. The MLB draft is quickly approaching. Uh, Zach and I will be back Monday night for our regular show. Bob is going to continue to take a couple more days off deservedly after the birth of him and his wife's third child. Again, everyone is happy and healthy, so it's great to hear. So Bob will be back later on. I'll be back with Zach Monday night. Check out our Patreon group, patreon.com slash on the verge. You get daily perks, daily podcasts, recaps of everything that happens across the Orioles minor league farm system. Access to our private WhatsApp chat that is very active. Uh, Bonus episodes, including prospect rankings. Zach and I will also be recording our updated top 50 list uh, podcast. Those episodes are exclusive to patrons. So uh, yeah, hopefully see you there. Seven day free trial as well. Yearly discounts if you sign up for a 12 month at a time. Go check it out. Follow us on Twitter at BSL on the Verge, Facebook, Instagram as well. Check out our YouTube as well if you want to hang out live Monday nights. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. Just search BSL on the Verge. Subscribe there. I've done all the pandering. I've done all the, the housekeeping. Go have a good 4th of July weekend, and I will talk to you all in the very near future.
That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov career USBP. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.